capital of the United States. Uh, I live in the southeast where uh, most of the textile equipment and everything was set up here years ago. And then they started shipping it to China. And right. there's been an effort underway to keep it still here. And uh, so uh, so there's a, a, a company in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, and I had a chance to take a tour before I went several months before I went to this conference and got to learn, and this particular shirt is made out of this same material, where they're recycling water bottles and putting it into clothing. Oh, I'd heard about So, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you've got 20 million. Bottles. Yeah. <laughs> so the guys from Michigan who were crying about this, and, uh, and all the three or 400 attendees were there, and my buddy and, and several other people were like, what are you doing on the phone? I says, I'm not sitting here empathizing. I'm sitting here fixing it. And I'm getting on the phone with the CEO of this company. And two months later, they had a grinder up in Michigan. And uh, they were uh, uh, about a thousand miles away. They shipped the grinder up there on the rail. And they were able to have the sanitation department take all the water bottles that they could find and put them into this machine that ground them up and made a little bitty uh, little bitty pellets of those yeah. and those pellets were ground up and uh, put into a, or put into a uh, a train tr uh, and then was shipped down to North Carolina where they could take it to the textile mills where they converted that uh, pellets into thread and then they started intertwining it and the average shirt takes about seven water bottles and a pair of socks takes two uh, to make a, uh, uh, and you're using a lot of material that would normally be uh, cotton or other materials. Now they do have, they have to have other stuff in it to make it functional. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a very comfortable polyester type shirt uh, that's made out of recycled water bottles. It's not going to the landfills or to the ocean. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, it's sustainable. It's keeping jobs alive. It's, I mean, it's, it, it, there's so many ticks in there, that, that box, isn't there? That's wonderful. Wow. So, so yeah, yeah, it's uh, the product. If you want to look at it, uh, look up the website. It's called Reprieve. R-E-P-R-E-V-E. -E -E. Right. If you have to buy a bunch of clothes, buy some from them. Uh, and uh, it's uh, really neat to, to be able to have something, again, that's socially conscious. Absolutely. Yeah. So reprieve clothing. Yeah. Okay. Right. I've, I've written that down. That's fantastic. We'll put a show link, a show notes link in as well. That's that's fine. So where did you run into William? Um, William Davis, who, who, who put me on to you um, as, when I met him at the Innovation Academy. How do you know William? So right after you know when i had to shut down my travels uh he lives in tacoma washington and i never was able to drive all the way across country uh that would be about a six thousand return trip uh, for me to drive that so uh, six thousand miles so uh i uh i have not been out there to see him but he joined uh the online zoom calls you know we all uh, migrated to zoom after COVID hit and uh, I set up a weekly, uh, what I call the COVID response uh, call uh, for uh, maker spaces to get uh, uh, restarted and, uh, and help them find uh, other maker space organizers that were doing things. 
we started creating an agenda and i did that every week up until november and then we did a couple of events after then and we even had an event called Perry 2020 where we had a time capsule uh project around the world we had people Perry 2020 in a time capsule yeah and uh so, but William was a part of these calls, and I, I guess he's participated in at least five or six of them. And, and we organized and had all kinds of interesting topics and speakers, all relevant. If you're taking on the challenge of running a makerspace or a workshop uh, for your community. Fantastic. Yeah, because I mean, you know, and that's why he's been taken on by the Innovation Academy to actually provide a physical you know, space for people to actually create stuff, um, which I think is going yeah, to be. And what's great about William is he doesn't just know what he's done. He now has access through the nation of makers to a whole bunch. Your community is so lucky to have him. Let me tell you, that guy is young, he's smart, he's capable, and he is very supportive of, of getting people to do their own thing, not just uh, uh, be a part of the machine, but create their own pathway. And uh, he is incredible. So he is going to do a fantastic job for you. And uh, I am thrilled that uh, that he was uh, he connected me to you. And and but yeah, he's got a wealth of not only knowledge there, but he's now a connector uh, to a whole bunch of additional resources. And if he connects you to me, you also got my resources. So uh, so it's. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because when oh, yeah yeah when i spoke to william a couple of days ago and he was kind of you know giving me an overview of what he's hoping to do one of the one of the other ladies who who did the course with me at the innovation academy last year she's a dental nurse and she's putting together a new program for dental nurses and i said to her i said well why don't you talk to william and get the dental nurses into his makerspace to kind of, I don't know, you know, take a a, 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 a mouth brace or something and create it in, in a 3D printer or, or whatever. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing to, to you know, to, to kind of actually... It's already happening. It would be great for that community to do it. They're yeah. They're doing that already here. They, I ran into a dentist that was telling me how he uses a 3D printer to make crowns. Yeah, I'd heard this and I thought, well, you know, that would be great for a course, wouldn't it? To show people on a dental course, like, how does that work and, and how do you actually do it? Wouldn't that? Yeah. So, uh, so it's how all. How do you scan the mouth? How do you design it? How do you do all that? Yeah. That's essential to 21st century dentistry is to learn how to do that. So, yeah, that's great. I'm glad. Yeah. Put William to work. Come up with other crazy things. <laughs> crazy is the unconventional is what we was where the opportunities are yeah that's why i tell people we got to lower the bar to crazy yeah absolutely Lo i love that line lower the bar to crazy yeah that's that's absolutely where we are you've 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 described yourself you know as a maker's maker and we've got this phrase maker spaces i don't know what a maker space is um it's a new term to me T tell us what a maker space is and why why that's important well, when they were trying to develop this, and it, uh, this really came about from a guy that was creating a magazine, and they wanted to call it a hacker space. And hackers have been, uh, you know, that's not the word you want to have uh, out there. In fact, that was what they were going to call the forage in Greensboro 
was a hacker space. And, you know, if you read USA Today or any other uh, London or whatever times, they're talking about all the exploits of all the hackers stealing credit cards and all that other stuff. And so, uh, so, but what they needed to do is, and workshop was not a sexy word. And industrial is not a sexy word. So they try to attract the, uh, the educational market. So they call it maker space, but it's just another term for a workshop. That's all it is. Okay. It's a place to create and build. You were telling me a story earlier on about a, a six-year-old and the, how you helped him create a, a, a little stool kind of thing with, with screwdrivers and, and, you know, just a couple of L, L brackets and stuff like that and some wood and some paint. So some of it is basic tooling and basic kind of skills around physical tools. But then you take that all the way up to quite complex stuff with with computer numeric control and laser printing and and you know cutting machinery and stuff like that so there's there's quite a range that you're talking about here yeah so i uh when i got the order the makerspace from a uh, uh, cnc uh uh Morris cnc helped me set this up and uh when i ordered the trailer from him it came pre-packaged with the cnc the lasers uh the uh, 3d printers I realized we needed to add some other things because the kids were lacking in so many other areas that were not that were way in the industrial uh, 21st century technology was way above them. So I needed to uh, do both. I needed to teach the uh, the manual skills, the life skills, teach them how to read maps, teach them how to do things that we took for granted growing up, and uh, and then because they don't know if GPS is going to be there or not. Uh, well, they might have a hurricane knock it out. So yes. we've got to teach them that. And then also that six-year-old that I was telling you about, I met him because I had 800 pounds of wood in the back of my trailer going to a park. And I needed to carry that to the bench, to the uh, uh, picnic benches and uh, the picnic tables. And those I had to do that by myself. I'm 58 years old. That was a lot of work. And yes. so this little six-year-old drives up on his bicycle. And uh, he, uh, I said, hey, would you mind helping me? And he, his smile on his face, he was now useful. And he was uh, not bored. And he, would, he literally sprinted from uh, about 100 feet each way. Uh, with armload of wood in his hand, taking it back and forth till it got uh, done. And right. I asked some teenagers to do it later, and they did it grudgingly because they wanted to go play basketball. Yeah. Uh, but, and they didn't see any need to learn this stuff because they were going to go to the pros, and they're you know they're only five foot eight. So mm. if they were seven foot, I'd say yeah, you got a chance. But uh, uh, but anyway, it was just uh, really refreshing, and that's why. I really love working with all ages. I, you don't know really what you're dealing with until you're dealing with them. And the little ones will surprise you. I had a seven-year-old right out here carry a 50-pound hammer for uh, about 80 feet by himself. Now, yeah. he had to take some breaks, but he was built like the Hulk. This little seven-year-old was a really strong little kid. And uh, he took it all by himself, and he was incredible. So I love, and, and the sense of confidence and achievement that they get by doing this stuff, 
and they know that they help somebody, that that you know that that is what we need to uh, build on, and not just throw them on a TV screen or a, a, a phone and say, "Hey, occupy your time. I don't have time to mess with." You. Yeah, that's that's how we're managing our kids nowadays, and that's why they're getting so dependent on that that they don't uh, learn how to do anything else. Unbelievable! You've you've. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, in the introduction, uh, we we kind of said you've got you've got Shawnee and Cherokee blood. I, I mean, I have no idea about the the political situation with the Indian nations and things. I mean, we only get little bits and snippets and stuff. But is is there a is there a is there more of a challenge if you are you know of of First Nation ancestry, if you like? Um, around education and around getting skills and and that that kind of stuff because you're going out to the Navajo Nation aren't you on your on your your trip yeah they were deeded you know the properties by the United States government that uh, on their ancestral land uh, to be out there so they feel comfortable being there and because of the remoteness of it uh, they have limitations on what they're able to do out there uh, but they're very capable, very, very capable. How I got reconnected to, to this or connected to this particular group was at the 2015 Congressional Maker Fair in Washington. I try to be up in Washington because if you're out in the hinterlands of around the country and you don't see what's going on there, you might miss out on stuff. And you don't really know what's happening. Yeah, And so I go up there as much as I can, and there was a congressional maker fair there, and I met the delegation from uh, New Mexico, and there were four uh, students, 20, I think 15 years old at the time, that uh, were uh, 15, 16 years old, somewhere around there. And they made a, because there was a, uh, one of their colleagues that was a training to be a nurse, and she would go out to all the different uh, areas and all of the, a uh, uh, lot of the diabetic people were, didn't have all their fingers. They didn't have all their toes. They were having, because they were having insulin issues. And some of those areas don't have refrigerators at the level you think they would. Yeah. And so, uh, they don't, as I said, power is a serious issue out there. And uh, the, uh, uh, so it's very important. That, uh, that they get access to things and come up with innovative ideas. You talk about innovative, they took a shoebox, they took an Arduino chip, they took a, a nine-volt battery, and they took two fans and put it in a shoebox and, and made a 40-degree trailer uh, refrigerator for uh, insulin. Right. And make perfect temperature for... Uh, or uh, somebody needs to keep their uh, insulin down. So they just put it on a shelf and they go get it when they need it. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. So, uh, so those were four kids that were taught this. And, and so imagine if they could go out to the populace, to the masses that they, and, and go out and work with them on a regular basis and, and do, do service calls, kind of like house calls. Uh, but with a maker intent and train them. And again, if they're, if we might have to go back to quarantine here, if the Delta variant and people don't get quarantine, get their vaccine, we might have to go back to that 
And, you know, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, but the Navajo Nation had the highest death rate in the country. Yeah. Uh, but they, after, after the, it was, uh, that became known, uh, there were all kinds of donations, including the maker community, all these maker spaces that I've been going to during the middle of COVID. These were the heroes. You don't hear enough about this. This was, I know you're familiar with Dunkirk. This was our generation's Dunkirk. We literally mobilized our version of the maritime uh, Navy. All the people that owned boats went and rescued all the soldiers. Well, all the makers that had 3D printers and lasers and all these things, they took all their techie skills and quit making Yoda heads and started making face shields and started making all these things that were being used to respond to the COVID uh, uh, disaster. And then then we help people around the world. Now I know people in India, Taiwan, uh, Philippines, because part of our conference call, we would teach people what other places were doing. And I got to hear from them how they were handling it. And it was, they're doing some innovative things in other countries that I had no clue. Uh, In Taiwan, again, is a little bitty country that's super organized, super focused. And they started... They didn't have a COVID issue because they did some things in this country we can never do because of our uh, independent streak. Uh, they would have all these constitutional lawyers attacking people for trying to save their lives. Mm. And uh, all this stuff going on here is just insane. But in Taiwan, they were making enough PPE to more than cover their needs, and they started shipping it to Afghanistan sending 3D printers to Afghanistan and other places that are hit hard by it too. And I presume that, you know, it doesn't matter where in the world you are. I presume if you come up with some kind of a, a, a solution or a design for something on a 3D printer in Taiwan, you can share that with somebody in, in Carolina or in Dublin and you can make the same thing straight away on your machine. Absolutely, but you also need to configure your machine to do like they're doing. They're, they're set up. That's the first thing. I know they're out there, but they actually invested and got all their machines to run a, a continuous process. They didn't have to have a manual person sitting there watching it. Right. They could actually manage it remotely and have it. After it did this thing, it cleaned itself off and did another thing. It did, yeah. And then it just kept on going through so it's a, it's basically turning a 3D printer into a production worker. Right, and a 24-hour production worker, as long as it can, you can feed it the, the raw material and the power. Wow. Yeah, and you don't have to give it a smoke break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite something. I mean, tools tools are fascinating, aren't they? And, I mean, you, you, you were telling me when we spoke a, a few hours back that, that I must ask you a story about making tools interesting. And, and what was this thing called? The Thominator? <laughs> yeah, look, I think my power is scars up enough. I can take it back there and show you now. Oh, cool. Yeah, and, and just do us the tour again when you get there. Yeah, that would be great. I uh, to raise money for the Fords again. We were all grassroots. We were not funded by some big corporation or big government group. Uh, we did this ourselves, and so uh, we did an old-fashioned car smash. We had a, a Volvo that the transmission was burnt out, and uh, uh, it was more expensive to fix it than it was to uh, do it. And they donated this Volvo to us, 
And so I uh, uh, had all this metal that was donated to me. And I was like, hey, why not make a giant hammer? People will pay us more <laughs> uh, than just a sledgehammer or a bat or something. And so I created this 50-pound hammer. And then uh, when I started going on the road, I realized sitting in my garage, I need to take it on the road. And I've now added, because a guy said it was just a prop, I've added a thousand LEDs, and uh, right now it's, it needs to get more charge to it. But uh, you see, it's got lights, and uh, it uh, really blows the mind of these kids. And they all want to see if they can pick up the Thorminator. We call it half Thor, half Terminator, uh, <laughs> because uh, it's come from again, it's come from the past and the future. Right. And uh, so the Thorminator. Wonderful. Wonderful. And uh, yeah, I can imagine I can imagine kids queuing up to see whether they could lift that and, uh, and, and stuff. Yeah, that's that's a wonderful that's a wonderful idea. Would, uh, and in my little bitty car. Uh, yeah. In my little bitty car, I was able to uh, uh, do all this and. Uh, I, uh, um, uh, so now that I got a truck and there's a conference in Santa Fe with MIT and the lady that wrote a book called new color workforce invited me up there or out there. And, uh, uh, so I, uh, while I'm there, I'm already coaching the Navajo nation. Uh, they have a school out there called Navajo tech and they just bought a cargo van and they don't know what to do with it. And ah. so I'm going to show them what I'm doing and give them ideas and step them through the process. And they were all worried about the layout and all the things here. You know, I told them, you got a cargo van. Yeah. You got remote territories. Uh, a generator in a cargo van is a precious commodity in the middle of a, of a desert and where you can take power where an emergency occurred. So you've got disaster response in addition to educational capabilities, all available to you if you set up a mobile makerspace. So, so it's very important that uh, uh, that they implement these. And I, again, I'd love to get them so motivated that they go out and invest in a fleet of these. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, in in Ireland, we've got kind of you know towns close to each other. I mean, you can drive from one side of Ireland to in three hours, you know, to the other. Uh, it's, a, it's a small place. You're not talking about this are you i mean you're, you're talking about people who are living a long way away from each other kids have got to travel a long way to get to a school or whatever you're, you're talking about moving the education to the kids rather than the other way around and what? to the adults and anybody else just have it on a rotated schedule they, they go once a week to this little community and they go to another day they go to another community just bounce around and give them plenty of projects to do while they're at home. And then the next time you see them, they've advanced to another level. Okay. And I mean, okay. So when in 2014, when you did the, the forge thing, you, you, you kind of, you know, you got 50 odd people into work when, when yeah. you're going around and you're doing this training, if you're aiming this mostly at children, is, is this aimed at kind of helping people into the job market or is it just kind of getting their heads into the space that this is a this is something they can do what's well 
again, you're kind of uh, you, you focused on children. Children is definitely an area of need. But yes. also we've got youth offenders out there. Okay. That cannot go to school. They right. cannot be physically on the campus because they would be breaking a law because of safety concerns for whatever violation they committed. Okay. And so uh, there's opportunities where I could go out and work with communities of youth offenders and get them up to speed and, and learning because I don't know if you how you treat them in Ireland, but here we don't know what to do with them. So they take them and put them out in the woods and teach them survival training. And then they come back and they don't know how to work in society. They know how to go off and be by themselves. And, yeah. and that doesn't help. Or they teach them karate or, or boxing. So you're weaponizing the felon or the, uh, the criminals already uh, with skills that aren't necessarily going to advance them. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, going to probably get them in more trouble. So what I'm trying to do is teach them how to work, teach them how uh, some of the modern equipment, some of the advanced technology that the 21st century is going to depend on and get them acclimated to do that and turn, get them so saturated in what their opportunities are that they forget about whatever got them in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant vision that you're, you're not, and it's not just a vision. I mean, you've made it a reality and you're making it a reality, oh, yeah. which I mean, you know, fair play to you. Um, tell me about the water bottles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I alluded to this, everybody, in a previous discussion for this, but I didn't tell him that what really happened. So, uh, <laughs> I attended an engineering conference in Washington, D.C. several years ago. I think it was about four now. And I, uh, uh, while we were there, uh, we, uh, uh, there was some uh, delegation from Wash uh, in Washington from Michigan. And right. this group of environmental engineers, and if you're not familiar with, in, in Flint, Michigan, they had a severe water crisis. There was enough lead leaking into the water supply from the old pipes and the old systems that was literally causing cancer, causing all kinds of diseases and, and the youth up there and the government literally lied to the populace. And so they didn't trust anybody to put in a filter. They didn't trust anything, but they did trust the water bottles. So they went through 20 million water bottles was given to the populace in Flint, Michigan. And they didn't have a system or a process to collect the water bottles. And so they were flooding their, their ditches. They were flooding their, their estuaries. They were flooding all the whole community with trash. And as a result, uh, and I'm going to have to move to my vehicle because I've lost power. So there we are, Makerboro, USA. And this is the, the truck. And Makesboro. It's Makesboro, USA. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Mobile makers. So I'm working with the Nation of Makers, the Fab Labs, the New Collars, the Maker Depot Academy, uh, Forest CNC, and Makesboro USA. Ah, if you can dream it, you can do it. Yeah. Love it. So. And this, you have this, you have this designed for you, and you've, 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 you've got the, this is the CNC machine. Yes. 
Yeah, a computer numeric control. So this is basically hooked up to a computer and can etch and cut things on on a bed. Basically, is that is that that the, that that about right? Absolutely, it's made a uh, a coaster here. Yeah. So you you etch that that circle out, and then you can burn in designs and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. This is my grandson. All right. Look at that. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh my goodness. And you and you also can make a. Uh, you can see the resolution of this. This is my grandson on his own. He doesn't get a baby's bib. He gets a workman's apron. And uh, I'm going to start this kid off right. He ain't no baby. He's a maker, and he just he's just getting started, and he's going to be needing a, all kinds of tools to get him busy. So, uh, But, yeah, this is see the resolution of this? It's yeah. incredible. It is, isn't it? That's really quite something. Wow. And and yeah, I saw that on the coast. So, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, this machine here, uh, this laser, it's, it doesn't look like it's much, just a box with, uh, with a door on it. But when you see this thing put out, uh, and again, it's very uh, stable, it's very reliable, it's incredible all the things that it can do uh to uh uh to, to cut leather cut metal uh laser etch, all kinds of things and uh be able to uh make permanent souvenirs for folks that want it i've been making graduation gifts i've been making birthday celebrations uh, uh all kinds of things for folks to sell uh to permanently document uh uh their existence right there on on a on a physical item and then, and then, tell us about the three D printer. There were there were two two types of filament you were mentioning earlier, or something. So, so that that was fascinating. So this is a uh, Sendo three D printer, and it has a uh, and there's a lot of other kinds out there. But what I like about this is it has two uh, different filament beds to it. So you can literally put a water soluble uh, filament in and a regular. And the reason why water-soluble is handy is because when you're making a, a, a head, like a statue or a Mozart piece, when you're building the chin, there's nothing for the chin to rest on when it's getting built. Yeah. So it needs some structure. You can't put not, something on nothing and have it stay there. So it needs to uh, have a, an infrastructure. So they built all these uh, subcomponents, and now they can put it with water-soluble filament to be that side, and then the other to be the actual substrate for the object. And then it can uh, uh, take that and be able to uh, um, uh, wash it when it's done. And you've got a full functional head uh, afterwards. So uh, it's really incredible what you can do uh, with these 3D printers. And as I said, you could set it up to where it, it runs automatically uh, for 24-7 and producing millions of items of PPE on these 3D printers. That's and again, the, the maker, Yeah, we aren't talking about how we got, got out of COVID. There really needs to be some movies made yeah. about what makers did to save people because we, I know, I think I read some numbers, at least 
uh, 400,000 people were saved from the from the volunteer uh, PPE makers. Hmm. Uh, th this must be amazing. Do the math and the statistics and all. I mean, this is amazing that you're taking these machines, which most people, you know, wouldn't be able to afford these machines. They wouldn't buy them in the first place because they don't know what they can do and, and stuff. So you're taking these machines and your knowledge and your, you know, your awareness of safety and all that stuff. And you're educating people who would never, ever get a chance, perhaps, to be exposed to this stuff. So that then, now, w what do they do with that afterwards? Do, do they then have this spark lit and now they go off to a, a community college? Or do, do you teach them long enough to kind of get an, an employer interested enough in them to actually hire them? do they acquire enough skills to kind of you know move towards a job or into a job or are you seeing as yourself all that all that is all that is very possible in fact again i'm trying to set up i just got into this so i'm still putting in some of the systems in place yeah. uh, to get it fully functional but but yes my vision is that we will be uh, moving them into community college programs moving them into jobs uh, some companies don't care if you've got the training or not. If they see you have the potential, yes. and what's neat about it is, I can I can get somebody to a level they can do uh, some pretty interesting things, and then they can demonstrate that to an employer, and an employer may want to take them on now. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean it's incredible what you can do, and as I said, you can burn in all when you put the faces of the kids into the wood. Yeah, You've, I've got them. Yeah, when they start, these are, this is very intimidating, and they don't want to get near it. But when they see themselves come out of it, then they get real curious, and then they want to know how they can do it, and uh, and then uh, and then I can I can work with. Them. Yeah, but uh, I want them, as I said earlier, I want them to have a healthy set of fears, but I don't want them paralyzed. Yes, yeah. I, I loved your plus one when you when you filled in my little questionnaire. Uh, you said, "Go to places where they don't want you, and make them love you." <laughs> yeah, talk talk about that because I love that phrase. I mean, I think that's great. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm a middle aged white guy, and for me to get into some places, uh, uh, is it, there's places out there that cater to different demographics. And uh, they uh, uh, don't necessarily want me there. And uh, I had to, to convince them. I've been on a radio show so much as they cater to, uh, uh, to the black community. And these are wonderful folks. It's a real neat radio station. Now they call me their, their white brother. And, uh, uh, and they love. And in fact, when I get back from... Uh, uh, this trip, uh, I'm going to be uh, giving them a day, day by day blow as to what happened and how we can, uh, how we can take some of the things I learned and put it to use here. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's th those are the things where you is a, uh, uh, I think it was Groucho Marx or I can't remember. Uh, actually, no, it was Mark Twain that said this. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to be member of a club that uh, would like to have me as a member. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
It's that same concept. I want to get into a place that that would normally not let me in. Yeah. And you make them want you in. Now, you just did, didn't you? Because, again, before I realized that I hadn't set set the recording button, um, you got got a a pretty prestigious award yesterday, didn't you? Tell us tell us what you what, what happened yesterday. Well, actually, I earned it several months ago, but they just showed it to me. I, I've dragged it out of my wife's mouth uh, when, <laughs> because I was so upset that it's taken them over a year and a half <laughs> to recognize me when this thing, this group called the Order of the Longleaf Pine. And uh, in, here in uh, North Carolina, uh, when the when they first started settling this area, uh, one of the really true uh, uh, resources was the pine trees. Right. Uh, because they were typically all straight or pretty straight and they were great building material. They had plenty of sap and turpentine and they would really the the industrial base in England uh, really coveted uh, coming here. And they started creating all these logging uh, vessels that would take the that had a counterbalance. They would have to put granite. I don't know if you know this, all the cobblestone uh, granite on the coastal communities of the United States, all was all that came from the granite quarries in, in England and Europe uh, because of the, uh, uh, of the ships. And they literally started dumping them into the ocean. And then we started figuring out that we could put them to use and they started wanting to charge us for them. So <laughs> <laughs> the ballast became actually, uh, well, then, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> wonderful. But, uh, not to go off on a side tangent too much, but anyway, the pine tree was a big, a big economic resource here. So, uh, so they uh, uh, they now uh, uh, recognize people in the communities and uh, and that have done something of prominence in uh, uh, and from North Carolina. They'll give them this award. So, uh, and it's, it's done and hopefully inspire more people to do something of significance. And uh, and also inspire the ones who get it to do even more. Yeah. So so that's uh, it's quite an honor. Uh, this flag was earlier this year flown over again. I just came up with this idea, and it's really getting the uh, imagination of our top leaders in this state to, who are finding out about this uh, attention. And and they flew this flag over the state capitol in my honor. Wow. And. Uh, yeah, so it, it's incredible. Again, I've gone through most of my life. People thought I was a nut, but now they realize I'm the kind of nut they need. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As I said, we got to lower the bar to crazy. It's okay to be unconventional. So this is the uh, laptop desk that we referenced before, where you have the L brackets. And again, some of these kids didn't know how uh, how to uh, put these things together. Right. So, uh, uh, how to use a screwdriver. Yeah. Turn, turn the mic, turn the phone around so that, or, or flick the uh, camera. That's it. So that we can see it. There we go. And this is your six year old who made this. Yes. Abs. And show us the top because, because you, you, you got him to paint it as well. Didn't you? I think so. Yeah, he did. He'd put his own little fingerprints to it and had a fun. And, uh, it's really cool. Uh, uh, I love this kid. In fact, I'm getting him his own laptop. Brilliant. That is ju- just fantastic. I mean, it, it just, you inspired him, didn't you? Because 
and I, I love the story that you know you asked him to help and he became part of you know the the job that oh, you he, he did more than the people that were supposed to be there i had a kid that was uh, that i technically was uh, supposed to be there and he was on his headphones and uh, and i had to get him uh, to turn off his video game and to pay attention to what i was doing yeah. Whereas this little six-year-old shows up and boom, he he's like an incredible resource. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> wonderful. So when when are you when are you heading off? And and I, I'm I'm almost. I mean, you know, I, I want to I want to rerun when you get back. Uh, we've got to hear about the trip. We've got to hear more about about this stuff. Um, well, you know, at some point later, later on. So, I mean, how, how can people find out more about, you know, what you're, you're involved with and how this evolves? Are you going to set up a website? Will there be a YouTube channel? Uh, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm going to have makesboroughusa.com. We'll have YouTube videos. And uh, if anybody wants to, uh, you can put a post up my email. People have questions. If they want to follow our journey, we're going to be uh, uh, putting it up there. We're going to be YouTubing it the whole way. Right. But here's my route if you want to hear it. Uh, so August uh, 2nd, August 1st, my YouTuber is driving five hours to get here. And he's going to be sitting right here. He's 16 years old. I met him. I love this kid. I met him up in Congress when he was nine years old, and here he is, 16 now. And uh, he's going to be riding with me, and I don't want him to drive, but he'll be kicking me in the ribs in case I go to sleep. And uh, and he'll be YouTubing the whole journey. And uh, so he's coming five hours to get to me, and then we leave August 2nd to, uh, to go to uh, – uh, in Asheville, North, I'm in Asheboro, North Carolina, which is the center of North Carolina, and then I'm going to Asheville, which is the western part of the state where the mountains are, and then we're crossing the Appalachian Mountains and going to uh, Knoxville, uh, Tennessee, and then we're going to Nashville, Tennessee, and then we're going to St. Louis the next day, and then uh, we're going to drop off those giant blades to the first ever woman that was on Forged in Fire. I got some big knife blades back there, and she's going to be able to turn it in. She's going to make her own version of the Thorminator. She's going to do a mashup between a Bowie knife and a, uh, uh, a th the Thorminator. We're going to call it the Thorma Bladenator. And, uh, <laughs> and then... And then we're going to uh, uh, to Kansas City, and uh, we're going to meet with some folks there. And there's a great space there called the Hammer Space, and uh, I really love the, the organizers that run that. And then we're going to Omaha, which they—it's kind of neat. They came up with the idea of doing a mobile maker space by the time I did, and theirs is a little bit bigger than mine, but. Uh, uh, and so we've been collaborating on what we can do. They're in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, they're the ones that are refurbishing laptops. And I'm buying uh, uh, ten of them uh, for a hundred bucks and uh, each, and uh, uh, going to be taking them back and dispensing them to people that need it here. And then, uh, and then we're going to Wichita, Kansas, and uh, to a makerspace there. And uh, they're looking at even inviting. Uh, there's like 14 maker spaces in that region 
and they're looking at getting them all to come in and meet me and uh, share some of their best practices, having kind of a maker conference during that event. And then we're going from there to Denver, and we're going to actually Loveland, Colorado, which is north of there, and uh, we're going to pay homage to a guy that actually built satellites for NASA who died with an aneurysm last year. He was a real special guy. We're going to pay tribute to him, and then we're going to uh, uh, brainstorm and figure out other ways to make the maker movement better there in Colorado. And then we go from there to uh, Santa Fe, which is the kind of a hub for MIT's uh, uh, Fab Lab conference that they're having, and they're going to have numerous discussions about uh, the future uh, workforce and what we can do and how maker spaces could, uh, mobile maker spaces can make things better. And it uh, should be quite interesting. And then while I'm there, I'm going to meet with the Navajo Nation. Uh, there's actually a school there called Navajo Tech. And I'm meeting with those organizers, and I'm already been coaching them. I've uh, been on the phone with them for about three or four hours already. And, uh, and then we're going from there, we're going to uh, Austin, Texas, and then we're going to uh, Houston, Texas, and then we're going to Dallas, Texas, and then we're going to Shreveport, uh, Louisiana, uh, and then we're going to uh, Hammond, uh, uh, which is where Hammond is north of New Orleans. And I'm going to be meeting, and this is a special guy, and this is something, again, the volunteers, people are, uh, know that there's a lot of problems that are past the capabilities for the professionals. So we've had citizen uh, people co- come together and mobilize their capabilities to do more uh, to complement the efforts of the professional. Right. So there's an organization that was assembled after Hurricane Katrina called the Cajun Navy. And uh, there's a, the guy that calls himself the Admiral there is meeting with me, and we're going to figure out how to use mobile maker spaces to complement his efforts. Brilliant. And uh, when he, go- yeah, when he goes out having a generator and a trailer uh, and a whole bunch of other equipment that would be used to fabricate things on the fly is a powerful mechanism. Yeah. And so uh, we're going to be there, and then we go down to. Uh, um, uh, to meet a maker and uh, a maker space in New Orleans. And then we go from there up to Birmingham and then we go to Chattanooga and then I go home. <laughs> <laughs> I should hope you do. That sounds, that sounds like an absolutely exhausting trip, but it's going to be so fascinating. Yeah. Well, you know what it's going you know to do? I'm going to be so energized spiritually from going yeah. to this. Yeah. but be so physically tired yeah. that I, it, but it's going to just charge me up that the adrenaline's going to kick in, I hope, and, uh, and keep us going. And again, I, I'm actually paying for the flights of two people to be a part of this. You've got a kid that's flying in on the back leg of this to kick me in the ribs on the way back. So, uh, so anyway, we're, uh, uh, we're going to be, uh, doing our best to make it happen. And, and, uh, Again, to try to inspire more to do more and uh, and get more to quit just ordering stuff online or going to the grocery store, but start going or, or to the to Walmart, the big boxes, and go make their own stuff. We're, as I said, we're going to make our own air conditioner out of a, 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 
a battery operated fan, a five gallon container, and a bag of ice. Yeah, that's brilliant. I, I love it. I mean, it, it's amazing. I mean, today I, I, I interviewed a lady down in Cork in Ireland this morning um, who, who was talking all about sustainability. And then, and then you know, we, we start talking to today and, and end up recording this episode, which is, you know, very tied in with, 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 what, um, with what Anne was talking about early on around sustainability and, and permaculture and all the rest of it. And the thro not the throwaway stuff, but, you know, learning to make stuff and repair stuff and, and, and use stuff. You are just... William was absolutely right. He said, he said, you've got to talk to Joel. He said, Joel is one of the most inspirational people that, that he, knew, he knows. And you've got to talk to him. And I'm so glad I, I did. I'm so glad we, we connected. And, uh, and thank you so much for taking the time. You've, you've, you've taken a lot of time today to, to talk to me. But I mean, what a, what a fabulous story. And, and I want to hear more. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Joe. It's a great service what you're doing. I hope your listenership uh, uh, gets spread and more people share your messages out to others and, and perhaps schools start sharing it in their, their content. And, uh, and again, it's this, and I'll be, uh, you know, as, as Joe, as uh, William probably told you, you put me on, you're going to get another 5,000 views. So <laughs> I, I'm going to put it out there and, and, uh, uh, so we're uh, going to do what we can to help spread your message and uh, and help you out as well. And thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate it. No, it's been it's been really it's been inspirational listening to you this afternoon and and hearing all the amazing stuff that you're doing. And uh, and this has opened up a completely new area to me i mean i'm going to be following this space now you know through you through william um which is fascinating and i've got a nine-year-old and a ten-year-old so this is going to be great because i can i can point them at this as well this is wonderful mm -hmm.